This is the I Will Teach You a Language podcast, episode 116. Welcome to the I Will Teach You a Language podcast. Weekly motivation and language learning tips to help you become fluent in any language. Now, here's your host, Ollie Richards. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. We're at episode 116. Wow, we're going to be episode two. Well, we're going to be episode a thousand <laughs> before we know it. I'll have to plan something very, very special for that. Maybe we can all go on a trip together. Maybe we can all go and meet in like the Bahamas or something and <laughs> have like a language trip. Wouldn't that be cool? Anyway, today we've got something very, very exciting. Uh, the first of a two-part episode, actually, um, in which you are going to hear my conversation with Steve Kaufman. Now, Steve Kaufman, for those of you who don't know, is very well known online. He has been making YouTube videos uh, and various other things for a long time, for years now. And he's well known as someone that speaks a lot of languages uh, very, very well. He's a great guy, uh, very well known. He's also the founder of Link.com, which you'll hear him mention in the discussion a couple of times. Um, I'll put a link to that and everything else in the show notes uh, for this episode, which you can find at IWillTeachYourLanguage.com forward slash episode 116. Now... Um, we're gonna have the, the conversation. We get we cover a lot of different things, um, but it's broadly in two different categories. The first half of the conversation we talk about about language learning. Um, Steve asks me a little bit about interference. You know the extent to which learning one language interferes with another, and then in the second half, which you'll hear in the next episode, I ask him about his experience with Asian languages and how he's gone about that and, and that process. We do cover. We touched on a lot of a lot of different things, but those are two of the big main themes you're gonna you're gonna hear. It was a fascinating conversation. Um, there is, if you'd prefer to watch this on video, then Steve made a, a YouTube video for this, and I'll put a link to that again in the show notes, so you can go and watch that if you prefer. Um, now, there's <laughs> one thing I need to tell you before we dive into this, which is that Steve uh, got a lot of phone calls during the interview, and he wasn't able to switch off. I think he seemed like he's got like three or four phones lying around his uh, his office, and uh, <laughs> all of them went off at some point during the course of the interview. So you will hear the odd interruption, the odd phone call, a um, little bit of, uh, um, you know, kind of, <laughs> well, just, just general noise. Sorry about that, but at least you're getting the authentic, <laughs> the authentic conversation. So little word of warning there. Uh, I'd also like to thank the sponsors of the show before we dive in today, which are italki, the place where you can get language lessons from native speaker teachers, professional teachers, from the comfort of your own home. It's the place that I get my language lessons every single week over Skype. And if you'd like to get a free lesson, you can go to IWillTeachYourLanguage.com forward slash free lesson. Now, without any further ado, I'm super happy after all these years of watching Steve online to now bring you the first half of my conversation with Steve Calvin. Hi, Ollie. Nice Steve, to talk to great, you. Great to see you. Yeah, well, I, I, you know, it's so funny, this strange world. You're connected with people that you've never met. You see their faces, uh, you know, their uh, thumbnails as, you know, their personality in Facebook yes. and whatever. So it's nice to talk. Yeah, likewise. I mean, I've, uh, I've been watching your, your videos for many years. It's great to finally get the chance to, to talk. And, you know, I, I, I must admit, before I got involved in all of this uh, online polyglottery, uh, I didn't even know, well, I shouldn't say I didn't know, but the word polyglot was like a strange word to me. And I think a majority of English speakers still don't know what the word polyglot means. And there was this great controversy over it. The word to me has always been linguist. Someone who likes languages, who speaks languages, is a linguist. Anyway, we won't get into that discussion. But a lot of people always ask polyglots like you and me, 
How do you learn more than one language? How do you maintain more than one language? Isn't there interference from one language to another? How do you deal with juggling all these languages? So maybe you could start just commenting on that subject. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I, I'm also someone that kind of dislikes these labels of, uh, of polyglot and linguist. Uh, I think it's unhelpful a lot of the time. Um, it's unhelpful to the general conversation of, uh, of, you know, what we want to do, which is to encourage people to learn languages. For me, um, so, you know, I'm someone with no language background from childhood. So when I was, um, uh, when I was 18, 19, I, I hadn't learned any other languages. And so it's been a very, very gradual evolution for me. And it, in every case, what's led my language learning has been people and relationships. Um, so, you know, whether it's a case of, um, uh, you know, I, I moved to spend a bit of time in Paris when I was about 19. And I learned French. Uh, moved to London. My best friend was from Canary Islands, so I learned Spanish. Fell in with a Brazilian crowd and learned Portuguese. Um, decided to go and teach English in Japan, so I learned Japanese. And it's a very, a very natural evolution like that. And I think one of the interesting things for me is that I like I have only recently in the last couple of years discovered the kind of online world of polyglots and all the kind of the, uh, the mystique if you like that surrounds that and it's been odd for me because i i've kind of had to reverse engineer my thoughts about language learning it's been such a natural process for me that um when i first started doing things online i didn't really know how to articulate my experiences and my learning process because it was that kind of natural thing so um it's been something it's, – it's an ongoing process for me. And um, so you asked about maintaining languages. Well, um, first of all, interference. Now, you've got uh, mm. three uh, – at least three, possibly more – Romance languages. Do you find that the, that one interferes with the other? Well, I've, I have found that in the past, um, but I don't currently find it. Um, and I'll, I'll explain why. Um, the time that it was worst for me was actually after I had spent some time learning Italian. And I got to a fairly decent conversational level in Italian, um, but never kept it up. And so when I took up Spanish after that, I kind of gave Spanish my all, um, had a great group of friends in London who were, who were Spanish and spoke that language a lot whilst I was here and never kept up my Italian. And so kind of going back and forth between that was um, I very quickly lost my ability in, in Italian because I simply didn't give up. After that, when I learned Portuguese, again, I went through an intensive period. I always tend to go through intensive periods of learning one language at a time. Um, and I think that's, that, you know, that seems to me to be the, the most effective way of acquiring ability in a language. But then, of course, the question is a bit interference. Well, how does that affect the language you've learned before? And I remember when I came back from Brazil the first time, I, I sat down with a Spanish friend of mine in, in, in London. And we were speaking a little bit of Spanish. And, um, and she just turned around to me and said, um, "Pero hombre, qué pasa con tu español, tío? Like, what's going on with your with your Spanish?" I was speaking Spanish with Portuguese, Brazilian Portuguese grammar, which is quite different. Um, and um, there was significant interference there because I'd spent so much time just immersed in Portuguese. Luckily, what I was able to do was um, because I, I have a music background, I went out and played a lot of Brazilian music in London at the time. I was able to spend a lot of time surrounded by uh, both South American Spanish speakers and Brazilians. And so for a period of time, I would often speak Spanish and Portuguese a lot in, in one evening. 
And I often equate that experience to actually learning a new language because I had to learn to kind of manipulate both together. And I was able to get rid of that interference and separate them in my mind. And now I can speak both of them without much interference. But it was a process of learning to do that. And it was far from automatic. Right. No, I, I, you know, I'm glad to hear that you have that problem because I just, this, this morning before we got started here, I had a 45 minute conversation in Russian and uh, I speak Russian a lot better than Ukrainian, but I've been focusing on Ukrainian this past month. And then I was at a conference in Toronto where I was speaking Ukrainian all day long. I really struggled. Uh, I kept Ukrainian sure. kept on creeping into my Russian, but, um, I, I think it's partly a matter of how well we know the language. So that I will not confuse French and Spanish. Not a chance. Sure. Once I get into Portuguese, I could confuse that with Spanish, Italian. In other words, the better you know the language, the less likely you are to allow other languages to interfere with it. And this gets back to the subject of, of maintaining the languages too. I find that, yeah. um, you know, if, if you ask me, okay, like my top five languages, I don't have to worry. If I'm going to have to have a conversation, a meeting, and whatever in Japanese or Chinese. It's not a problem. I don't have, to, don't have to do anything. If, on the other hand, my next five group, I might want to spend a day or two. <laughs> and I tend, to, I tend to work with reading and listening. To me, that's enough. I can't necessarily go out and grab some German speakers and, 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 or whatever, and uh, you know, Italian speakers here or Russian speakers. So, and, and really, before speaking to my Russian tutor, I should have spent a couple of hours on link just reading and listening to Russian. So... But then the, the weakest five, which includes Ukrainian and Czech and Korean, there, it, it, like I'd, I'd almost have to work like a few weeks to get it up to a level where it won't be vulnerable to interference from other languages. So I, I think the big issue there is, A, in terms of maintaining your language, and B, in terms of protecting it from interference from others, is just how well you know it. And the better you know it, the less you have to prepare. Well, I think there's no, there's no doubt that, I mean, I, I've certainly found that with the languages where I've reached a very, 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 a very strong conversational level where right. I've kind of, you know, I can operate in the language um, day in, day out with no particular problems. I've never experienced that dropping mm-hmm. to, to beneath that point. Right. I get a bit rusty, but nothing right. that can't be reactivated within 15 minutes. I've, exactly. I've, I've never had that experience. Um, but like earlier on, I mentioned my Italian, which never really got that high. I mean, that was striking for me how just how easy that was actually lost. Right. Um, I, I wonder if there's. I mean, I've heard people mention before that there's, there's you know potentially neuroplasticity mm-hmm. things that come to bear with this. You know, when you when you speak a language over time, I think your brain. Uh, and I have no scientific basis for saying this, but it's just my my intuition that your brain does adapt to that way of thinking in the language because every right. language has a different approach to explaining ideas and conveying thoughts right. and i i wonder if um it's not the case that when your brain gets so used to doing that in one language it, it doesn't then kind of demold if you like it, it kind of it's there and it's fixed and you can access that again but if you only get yeah. up to a an intermediate level or so um that it isn't quite fixed enough for that to remain permanent. I mean, that's that's my impression. It's probably yeah. scientific. I, I don't know. I'll tell you what I think, though. I think that if you go back to your Italian or whenever, maybe that already happened, that when you went back to your Italian and you were rusty, rusty and you felt you'd lost a lot, it wouldn't take very long before you felt stronger in Italian than you ever had been. In other words... That's, that's definitely possible. An and, and my idea. experience has been that, first of all, I often talk about this interleaving, the fact that you go away from Italian, do some Spanish, and then come back to Italian... And then you you reconnect some of the 
neural neurons that were were connected became unconnected they become stronger than they ever were and there's actually uh you know neurological evidence that this forgetting and relearning forgetting and relearning actually strengthens your hold uh so and the other thing too is is learning similar languages where you're most likely to get interference actually helps you like with every slavic language that i learn i create more confusion but at the same time i am confirming some of the basic common patterns you know, structural patterns of the language. And the same is true with, even though Portuguese has some differences with Spanish, 80-90% of the grammar is the same, and, and the vocabulary is essentially the same. So you're actually confirming your knowledge of that other language, but you're introducing some interference. If you then go back to the Portuguese or the Italian and work at it for a little while, in my view, you become stronger. The other thing I wanted to say, I, I don't see it so much as different languages have different, say, call it cultural ways of approaching things. I The way I see it is, you've got these different control centers in your brain. So a person who only speaks one language has got one control center, call it English or Chinese or whatever it might be. And at that point, they're not very flexible. So that the new language with the new patterns, it, it takes a bit of a, a, a more effort than to create this new control center. And then you create a third one and a fourth and the brain becomes more and more flexible. But, but by being more flexible, there's also more opportunity that you're looking for where to go down the wrong path and you end up in... The lang in another language, not the one you it's wanted to be in, right? Yeah. So, so then you need to kind of work on that language for a while to kind of reestablish the strength of those connections for that control center. That's all. And I guess, I guess the strongest evidence for that is when you, if, you know, if one comes to learn their fourth or fifth Romance language, say, or right. in your case, maybe the Slavic language. I mean, it's significantly easier. Oh yes. I mean, Portuguese for me, my fourth Romance language was. Right. I mean, it 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 didn't it really didn't take that long. No. And that's. That's I'm, I'm sure that is because of um, the the fact that I noticed the connections between the uh, the other Romance languages I'd learned and the way you manipulate verbs and, and nouns and, and things like that. And it just because the, the logic is there and it stays it stays like that. I haven't had so much experience in uh, language groups, a different right. language groups. So I I, I would uh, be interested to hear whether you've had the similar experience in Slavic. Well, yeah, I mean, I've been basically I got my Romance, you know, five Romance, four Slavic, uh, call it four Asian. And then German, Swedish, English, call them Germanic or whatever English is. I'm not so sure. Uh, the, the thing is, like, Swedish is kind of off on its own, so I don't get confused. The Romance languages, I don't really get confused. But the Slavic languages are relatively new for me, so I'm finding more interference, confusion. Um, the other thing is, in learning related languages, like, I believe that the biggest issue in language learning is words. Words and phrases, period. Uh, and I'm, I'm very much, I emphasize, you know, comprehension. If you can understand the language, you'll eventually get to speak it. Uh, if you can't understand the language, you can't talk to anyone if you don't understand what they're saying to you. Uh, the biggest obstacle to comprehension to me is words. If you take Spanish and Portuguese, the vocabulary is like 85, 90% the same. Yeah. Uh, identifiably the same. Clearly identifiably the same. So if from a passive comprehension point of view, it doesn't take very long for uh, you as a Spanish speaker to learn Portuguese or vice versa. Now, to activate that, of course, you got you got to speak a lot, but you're already in a position where you certainly you can read. And if you do a lot of reading and listening, you can get to where you understand. So so to me, vocabulary is big. So in the slow in the Slavic languages, the uh, similarity, call it the lexical distance, you know, the similarity in vocabulary is not as great as is the case with the Romance languages. So 
uh, you know, Ukrainian may only share 60% of its vocabulary with Russian, uh, you know, and, and then Czech and stuff like that. So, so the, 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 the vocabulary is a bigger problem, but the fundamental principles of the grammar uh, are, the, are very similar, but the actual endings, which is a big bugbear in Slavic languages, can differ quite a bit. But and then there are minor differences, a bit like Portuguese and Spanish. Yeah, and I guess what, what we're describing here is kind of the basis for, in a way, it's the basis for you want to call it polyglottery is that, isn't it? And, I, and I've um, spoken to to Richard uh, Simcott many times about exactly right. this, about the, how he likes to work with, uh, he would, you know, he likes to work with families of languages, yeah. and he will explain that that process of kind of using one to kind of springboard onto the next. Sure. And it and, it, and it, it absolutely does get easier. And I think like one of the sorry to go off on a tangent, but I think this this I this this concept of familiarity with the the process of acquiring a language yes. is is one thing that I, I I see this as a huge a huge advantage for someone that's been through that process. Just the same way, it's a huge disadvantage for someone who hasn't been through the language process before. Right. Um, because you know, if you haven't been through this process of learning a language, you don't know how. Off here. Sorry. <laughs> if you if you don't know what the steps are like, what the feeling of right. progressing is like, you you end up um, generating all these feelings. I see this in people all the time, creating all these kind of self-imposed feelings of panic or uncertainty about whether they're doing the right thing or not. And just a second. Hello. Richard. Hello. Okay, he's gone. All right. Let me just pull this off here. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. No so, fears, yeah? <laughs> um, I've lost my train of thought. Yeah, you're um, saying that people have done who have been through the process and know how to learn. And I, I would agree with you. They're con not only do they know how to learn, they're confident that they will learn. That if, if they follow the process that they're used to, they will learn. I think a lot of beginner language learners aren't really confident that they're going to learn. They've never done it before. They have never experienced, you know, mastering another yeah, language. I mean, so they don't think they're like going to get there. It seems like an insurmountable wall, doesn't it? Although Jesus. Just a second. All right. Done. Okay. You know, nowadays you can't even lift the phone off the, the rocker there because the phones, they kind of live separately from their, yeah. uh, you know, anyway. Um, and but I think this 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 works. Well, you know, once you have been through that process, it compounds right. for for you know those who have learned a lot of languages. And so coming back to the, this thing of learning your fourth or fifth Romance or Slavic language, right. it's a, you, you not only have that that ability, ability to kind of springboard off what you already know, right. but that combined with the fact that you have a, a knowledge and experience of the language learning process, it does make it you know, significantly easier to acquire a new language. Absolutely. Uh, but and I think to some extent, and this is something we'll discuss at the Montreal North American. You're, you're going to be there. I am indeed. Yeah, Excellent. I can't wait. Super. The Montreal North American Polyglot Symposium, I think it's called, Quite which enough. is kind of scary. You know, actually, I think most of us. I, I'm looking forward to meeting all these people because I haven't met them. But it's mostly about having fun learning languages. So the word North American Polyglot Symposium may scare people off. Really, it's about ha having fun learning languages and and convincing people that it's really not that difficult and and that people can have different approaches uh and like in my case for example i'm not too hung up about what i'm able to say two or three months into the process i'm more concerned about what i'm going to be able to say six months or a year 
uh, you know, into the process. Uh, because to me, language learning is not a matter of weeks. Even going from Portuguese to Spanish or Spanish to Portuguese, I've never found it to be a matter of weeks. Now, there are people on the Internet who learn Icelandic in two weeks, but I'm not one of those. To me, it's it, it takes a long time. And so my concern is, what am I going to be able to do with the language? Watch movies, read books, listen to stuff, have intelligent conversations with people. Where am I going to be at after six months or a year? So... Well, this is something that I'd like yeah. to ask you about because yeah. I mean, I um, as I mentioned earlier, my language learning process has always been driven by by need or desire or community in in some way. It's always right. been very uh, very instinctive. Um, so, as I mean, you speak many more languages than than me, and so I would be interested to know from from your perspective, what is the balance for you for the, these languages that? Yeah, let's see who that is. Hello. Sir, I'm in the middle of a Skype conversation. I can't talk now. Hey, it's Ollie here. Just to wrap up this uh, portion of the episode, um, I hope you enjoyed the first half of our conversation. The second half will be back in the next episode. Now, if you'd like to uh, watch this, if you can't wait and you'd like to continue the conversation, you can go and watch the video of this call, the whole thing, which you can find at IWillTeachYourLanguage.com forward slash episode 116. So thank you for listening and I'll see you back in the next episode for the second half of the conversation. Take care.